So our summer series in the book of Psalms has come to an end, and now that September is here, we're beginning a new series, as we said, looking at the book of Proverbs instead, which just happens to be the next book on from the book of Psalm in the Bible, but that's not really the reason why we've chosen it. Uh, A few months ago, I was talking with Hannah, and she mentioned that she was reading the book of Proverbs with the help of a book by Tim Keller called The Way of Wisdom, and I thought, that's very interesting. And I've been looking back at what we've had in terms of teaching at Portswood in recent years and discovered that we've not looked at all at at the book of Proverbs on Sunday mornings. We've covered lots of other things, but not Proverbs as far as I could tell. And as Lou's already made clear to us this morning, the Bible isn't the only place where we find Proverbs. Proverbs are a part of our culture. We grow up learning them from a young age and almost like learning nursery rhymes. They're typical sayings or instructions that give us advice. That's basically the definition of what a proverb is. And they exist in other languages and cultures too. We sometimes hear Chinese or African proverbs being quoted to us as a contrast, perhaps, to the way that we see things in Western society. But there's also this inextricable link between proverbs and wisdom. If you Google the word wisdom or the word wise, you'll find that there's a much higher concentration of these two words in the book of Proverbs than in any other of the books of the Bible. The word wisdom appears 49 times, the word wise 55 times. So wisdom is very much the theme of this book, which probably doesn't come as much of a surprise. But we've chosen to look at the book of Proverbs because of a focus on living well and living wisely. We're only going to cover the first four chapters of the book of Proverbs over the next four weeks as an introduction for what we'll then look at for the rest of the autumn. And hopefully the book of Proverbs will give us a bit of a foundation for what we want to explore together during the following months about learning to live wisely and well. So there are actually 31 chapters to the book of Proverbs, one for every day of the month. But because we're only going to cover the first four chapters... We've called this series The Beginning of Wisdom. That's not the only reason, but that's the title that we've given to this series. These four chapters take about 10 minutes to read, but we don't have to limit ourselves just to the first few chapters. At the men's weekend back in June, for those who were there, the speaker encouraged us to choose a book of the Bible to read each month and then to read it again and again during that month. And he also told us to try, when we read, to read aloud rather than just reading to ourselves. And that's how the Bible was intended to be read. So that we hear, we're actually hearing the words as well as seeing them on the page. So wouldn't it be great if the book of Proverbs is our book of the month for September and that we all try reading it as much as possible over the next few weeks? But if we're honest, the book of Proverbs isn't an easy book to read. It can seem a bit strange, in fact. It's not really like any of the other books of the Bible. And we're probably less familiar with it than the book of Psalms, for example, or the Gospels and letters that we find later on. 
The very first verse of the first chapter tells us what to expect in, to find in the rest of the book. So let me just read it for us. So chapter 1, verse 1 of Proverbs says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. It's a collection of the sayings and instructions of King Solomon. But if we look more closely towards the end of the book, we have sayings from other people too. In fact, the sayings of King Solomon don't actually start until we get to chapter 10. There's a long introduction to this book that lasts for nine chapters. So the four chapters that we're going to look at over the next four weeks as we have this series, the beginning of wisdom is just the beginning. It's just part of the introduction. And so that's another reason why I want to encourage us to try and read or listen to the whole book during the month of September so that we can get an idea of how it fits together, how it works as a whole. And as I said, the book of Proverbs begins with a long introduction, and that was my long introduction. So now let's look at the first chapter in a bit more detail. If you want to turn to it, it's on page 635 in the Church Bibles. And after the first verse that tells us what to expect, there are basically three sections in this first chapter. So remember, this is the beginning of the introduction to the whole, whole book, but the first section we could call the purpose of Proverbs, or perhaps the potential of Proverbs. So that's verses 2 to 7. And I'm sure you'll agree with me that it can be very helpful if someone tells us something or if someone gives us something that they also explain why they're doing that. So most of the time it might be obvious, but not always. Think of the example where someone gives you a parcel are they giving it to you because they want you to open it? Are they giving it to you because they want you to hold on to it? Are they giving it to you because they want you to pass it on to someone else? There are different possibilities, aren't there? And sometimes we can wonder why we've been told something or why we've been given something. And that's where we start very helpfully with this book. The very first sentence tells us that these are the Proverbs of Solomon. And then in the next sentence, verse 2 onwards, we begin to discover what these proverbs might be used for and what their purpose could be. And in fact, it's not just one or two things, but a whole list of things for gaining wisdom and understanding, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, for giving prudence to those who are simple, for giving knowledge and discretion to the young, for understanding proverbs and riddles. So lots of reasons. And not only are we being told the reasons why we've got these proverbs, but there's a real sense of encouragement and motivation too. Whoever put this book together clearly wants us to read it because of how much we can gain in terms of wisdom and understanding and knowledge and insight and instruction. And if we feel at all like we might lack any of those things and, and who hasn't felt that at some time then here are words to motivate us to read and to pay attention and we get the impression that it will be worth our while to read this book there is 
benefit to be had from it. There's advantage to be gained. And that's the way it starts. And even if we consider ourselves wise already, the writer encourages us in verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. And then in verse 7, we have the statement, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And if we take that to heart, then we'll have all the incentive we need to read on. The writer knows that there's a starting point to gaining wisdom, and that has to do with our attitude towards God, our relationship with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is a phrase that will come up again and again in this book. It's here at the beginning of the introduction, and if you flip on nine chapters to the end of the introduction, we'll find it again. The writer states that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding in chapter 9, verse 10. So what does it mean to have the fear of the Lord or the knowledge of the Holy One? And why is that the beginning of wisdom and knowledge? If you're here last week, it was something that Francis spoke about from the very last verse of Psalm 67, a psalm that's all about God's blessing and the praise that results from realizing how much God has given us. So in Psalm 67, verse 7, we have, May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. All the ends of the earth. Psalm 67 is a psalm that includes everyone. And it has this repeated prayer, May all the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. As Lou's already said, to fear the Lord is not the same thing as being frightened of God. Being frightened of God would cause us to retreat and hide like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. Now, the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge is an awareness of God's power, an awareness of God's purity. It comes from recognizing his authority and his perfection. So respecting God and not taking for granted his love and care is the beginning of wisdom. If we want to be wise, this is where we start. And to be honest, I sometimes wonder if I fear God enough. It's very easy to live our lives as if God doesn't exist or doesn't care what we do. And there's a definite danger in not taking God seriously. As it says in verse 7, of chapter 1 the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction to despise wisdom and instruction means that we've underestimated the value of those things and that's a grave mistake according to the author of this book and there's an implicit warning in verse 7 i think and that warning is then repeated through the rest of the chapter So if the first part of this chapter, the first section, was the purpose of Proverbs, then the next section could be called parental guidance or a warning to children, say from verses 8 through to 19. I won't spend too long on this section, but I do want to point out that it's a warning about temptation, the temptation of trying to take 
from other people and causing harm to others. Taking and causing harm. These are things that we wouldn't dream of doing, aren't they? It'd be easy to think that we'd never do this, but the warning here is really clear. We can be enticed by people's words. We can be convinced, as we see the example of other people, if we're not careful. And the writer says, do not give in to them. Do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths. That's the advice that we're given. The motivation for going down this way is clear in verse 13, where it says, we will get all sorts of valuable things. We will fill our houses with plunder. But what the writer is pointing out is that this is very short-term thinking. Even if we can gain something, gain an advantage over someone else, ultimately this is what it does. Verse 19, it takes away the life of those who get it. We can ask ourselves, why, why do we do things that are wrong? Why do, we, why do any of us do things that we know are wrong? And there are lots of reasons, but one element is thinking that we will be able to get away with it, that there won't be any consequences, that we're only doing what everyone else does, after all, and that no one will see what we do. But the author of this book would say, that is foolishness. Ill-gotten gain takes away the life of those who get it. So having looked at the first section of this chapter and the purpose of parables and then the second section with its parental warning, the third part of this chapter is all about the personification of wisdom. And that's from verses 20 to 33. The personification of wisdom. Wisdom takes form. Wisdom is a woman. That's how wisdom is presented. But it's another warning. Because the, the woman who is wisdom is calling out to anyone who will listen to her. She is making an appeal she calls aloud, she raises her voice, she cries out and makes her speech. But this isn't the kind of speech that we might expect to hear at a wedding or a celebration. This is a warning to listen and to pay attention before it's too late. We've probably all seen films or we've read books where some kind of disaster is predicted and warnings are given, but they're not heeded. So I can remember going to see the film Jaws or Towering Inferno when I was small at the cinema. But these films are still popular today. Perhaps the most recent one I can think of is Don't Look Up, if you've seen that. And wisdom is personified as a woman in this chapter and through the whole book of Proverbs to underline that it's a relationship that we have with wisdom. We need wisdom. We all need wisdom. That's pretty obvious. Everyone would agree with that. But how much do we want wisdom? What are we prepared to do to get wisdom? Are we willing to listen to this voice crying out? Or are there other voices that are more attractive? In verse 22 we have wisdom asking us questions. And it's not 
difficult to sense the exasperation in her voice. How long will you, who are simple, love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? It doesn't have to be this way. Verse 23, repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teaching. Who doesn't want that? And the book of Proverbs is not offering us a list of rules telling us what to do in every situation. In that sense, the book of Proverbs is like the whole Bible. We're not told in every situation to do this or to do that. A proverb can sound very helpful, but it's in the application, the putting into practice of what wisdom tells us to do, that we need this wisdom, this insight, this understanding. What we need, I think, is a willingness to listen and to respond to what we hear. At the end of this chapter, we have the promise. If you look at verse 33, the promise that whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. If we ignore wisdom, then the consequences are spelt out very clearly for us. Again, if, let me read verses 24 to 27. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Sounds very serious, doesn't it? And when I read these words, it reminds me of the parable that Jesus told at the end of the Sermon on the Mount about two builders. So if you want to turn to it, Matthew chapter 7. It's interesting, it's exactly the same verses, 24 to 27 of Matthew 7, where Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. We know, don't we, that in life, storms will come. Sooner or later, there is no avoiding them. It would be foolish to think otherwise. Experience tells us that we will have to face storms, difficulties, adversity sooner or later. Proverbs chapter 1 finishes with these words. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens 
to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. So perhaps the question we need to ask is, what is God saying to me at the moment? And am I listening? This first chapter of the book of Proverbs is full of warnings presented in different ways, whether it's through listing the purpose of Proverbs or the example of parental guidance or the personification of wisdom. We're being encouraged to listen carefully and to respond wisely. And one of the things that's really struck me reading through the book of Proverbs is how similar the teaching we have here is to the teaching of Jesus. So I want to encourage us all to keep reading this book over the coming week. See if we have that same impression, if we see the similarities between what Jesus taught and what's here written in the book of Proverbs. Let's see what we can learn together from focusing in on wisdom and its benefits. Let's pray together. Lord, we all have an inbuilt desire to do what is right and just and fair. And yet we know how often we, we fail you, Lord, how we know what we should do and then we don't do it. And Lord, thank you that you are a God full of compassion and forgiveness to those who, who hear your voice, Lord. And we pray that you would enable us as we, as we go through this book, as we go through these chapters, to be hearing from you. Lord, we pray, we ask that you would speak to each of us, Lord, and help us to share the wisdom that you give us with others as well, Lord, that we all might benefit from your, from your work and your blessing in our lives. Lord, thank you for this introduction to this book. Lord, help us to, to go on with you this week, seeking you, seeking your wisdom for our lives, Lord. We know that you want to pour your blessings into our lives, Lord. We thank you for that and just pray that you would keep us close to you with open hearts, Lord, that we might receive from you. If we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.